0: Welcome to Dragon Time! Yay! Yay, puppy! Yay! We have a fantastic show on this, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. It's coming at you hot, like the hot sauce shirt I've got on right now. Shortage over. (laughs) There is Sriracha in this here (laughs) podcast. Uh, It is giant. It has dragons, practically.
1: Almost complete, Lee.
0: Almost complete, um, but it does complete our wonderfulness
1: because we've got Mr. James
0: Wyatt on the interview today, joining me, Greg Tito, and you, Shelly Mazenovil.
1: Yes, we love James Wyatt. Yay! Yay! You, James is
0: fantastic. He's I think one this of is- the best. Uh, almost 10 years since I met James uh, at a little event in Durham, North Carolina that I was running. Right? What? Uh,
2: what was yeah. that?
0: It was for the website that I used to work for. We had a small little gaming convention there, and we invited someone from Wizards. And James was like, oh, yeah, I have some people down there. I'll go down there. And so I him, cornered him at a party, and we talked about D&D for like three hours. It was
2: great. No
1: way.
0: Yeah, and I think that's about 10 years ago. It was about 2013.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Maybe 2012, but I think it was 2013.
1: I bet that was a really good conversation.
0: <laughs> it was. It was. And, uh, you know, he talked a lot about all the amazing things that we're going to talk about with him today, including myths and, you know, religion in Dungeons & Dragons, as well as uh, the fanciful creatures and their inspirations in our
1: from our real world. James is great. Like, such an interesting background and yeah. that he always pulls from in his professional uh, life today. He's very prolific. He's written a number of novels. And just in like over 20 years of working in game design has a lot of books under his belt, including the, the Dungeon Master's guides. So yeah, I just think he's just very fascinating. And you're going to learn a lot, a lot of cool insights and, and become very inspired, I think, by this interview.
0: That's right. That's what we're billing it as. It's inspiration heavy. Yeah. one, Yeah. So, let us be inspired. Let us bring the James Wyattness into our brains in the form of talking about two amazing books that are coming out from D&D. Let's welcome James Wyatt back to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! James Wyatt! James <laughs> Wyatt!
2: <laughs> it's always <laughs> great to be here with my biggest fan. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I, I think I am your biggest fan.
2: No, wait, I I am
1: the biggest fan.
0: (laughs) 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 To talk about all of the big things that are happening in D&D.
2: Just just, just large things happening.
1: Big. Big news. Very large. We got some giants on the horizon.
2: We have giants that are occupying the entire horizon. They're that big.
1: (laughs) These are no ordinary
2: giants. These are the biggest. But really,
1: James, how exciting a wonderful tome, "Glory of the Giants,"
2: and you were at the helm of
1: this beautiful book.
2: I was. Big B presents "Glory of the Giants," and it's big. It is big.
1: There's lots of big, giant, wonderful things in this book, including can we get some more of your poetry.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, the biggest they haven't poetry. Haven't stopped
2: me yet. Why would they? The book starts off with a an excerpt from Diane Castro's saga, her story of claiming her divine birthright from her father Anam, the all-father of the giants. And so of course I modeled the poem after Icelandic and Anglo-Saxon poetry patterns because I'm of a nerd. <laughs> Which you like already knew about or did you research? This one I researched. With, with Fizz Bands, I started off with Homeric Greek poetry, which I did know something about, uh, but but here I started from scratch.
1: Wow. And this is a, I mean, not to keep using the word big, but this is a very <laughs> big saga. Like, it's a real deep, beautiful, long
0: Poem. That's what, what you want people to say about poetry. Like your poetry is really <laughs> big. So big. big,
1: man. Hey, I've been I've been to some poetry slams in my day, and that is tiny what, compared what to this. All of the the, uh, the poetry experts said, big. That's big poetry, man.
0: <laughs> you got big poetry energy.
1: You do. You do. <laughs>
0: so yeah, boys. How fun was it to go back into those? Norse, Icelandic uh, uh, kind of legends and kind of pull because that's where I feel like a lot of the giant lore was inspired by in D&D to, to begin with, right? Uh,
2: there is certainly a lot of that, um, especially for the Frost and Fire giants. Um, mm. But also, like the cloud giant, is is straight out of fairy tales and Jack and the Beanstalk. And the hill giant, I think, is, is very closely related to ogres, as just sort of the the big lumbering brute wandering around the English countryside or whatever. So yeah, there's there's a range of sources, and I spent some time digging around in a lot of them. But but primarily, this book is about D and D's giants, and uh, you know, there's there's enough lore about them established in the history of D and D that that's what I wanted to to. Bring out and explore most, not um, go deep into the, the Icelandic sagas or anything like that. Yeah.
0: So yeah, what well, tell us about
2: Diane? Diane That's her name, right? Diane Castro. Yeah. So she is the youngest child of Anum. Um, the children of Anum are the gods of the giants. The, the Monster Manual talks about them a little bit, and uh, Bigby Presents: Glory of the Giants goes into them in more detail. There's there's one son for each uh, branch of the giant family tree, and a number of daughters as well, and then a couple of like. Karentor is the ancestor of the Fomorians, whom we haven't really talked about in this edition of D&D before. What is the story there? We talk about him a little bit. But Diancastra uh, is is identified as a demigod. Her mother was a mortal giant. And she is is sort of this rebellious child. She doesn't really go in for the, the hierarchical ranking of giants in the Ordning. She spends a lot of time in the material world, where she encounters Bigby in this this book. And she's sort of a patron for giant adventurers and misfits and uh, rebels. So a good voice for this book, alongside Bigby.
1: Yes, because Bigby. Well, it's Bigby presents this book.
2: Bigby does present it. <laughs> <laughs> so Bigby appears as as the narrator of this book. He's sort of he's sort of le- I, I think of it as he's leading us along on his journey of discovery about giants. He starts off. We see him at the very beginning of the book. Actually getting killed by a giant. He is restored to life in a new body, thanks to his buddy, Mordenkainen. Um, Aw,
1: that's a good friend.
2: Yeah, yeah, you could (laughs) say that. (laughs) And so he starts off from this position of thinking of giants as enemies and monsters to be combated. But then he meets Zion Castro and he goes on this journey of discovery and learns the glory of the giants, the the majesty of their civilization and their uh, culture and history, what they've lost and what they're trying to regain. And uh, he brings us along on that that road. Um, and we see him at the end of the book sort of setting off for new horizons and uh, inviting us to, to join him on those further explorations.
1: And that's kind of what this book, in reality, is setting out to do as well because giants are, there's a lot more to their mythology and to their history and to what people may have thought. Um, they're not just like big big monsters. Like there's, yep. there's so much more depth to them. So how did you go about presenting that information or how do you even know like which information you're, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tall order. Uh, James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stopping with the puns. I'm sorry, but really like how there's so much and then there's new stuff, but how do you present yeah. this? How do you do it?
2: So it's funny, like Big B's journey in some ways is also my, because when I started off this book, you know, it came from from writing *Fizban's Treasury of Dragons* to this, and *Fizban's* was like, "Yes, dragons," and Beast was like, "Okay, I guess I'm writing about giants. What the heck am I going to write about giants?" And so it was it was fun for me to to dive into them and um, rediscover their mythology and and what makes them really cool monsters to use in a and campaign. And I really, that that's always my lens, right? Is is what's going to make this book super useful for DMs um, who are building a campaign or need inspiration for the next adventure or just want a cool encounter with giants to throw at their players. What can I do to to inspire that? So, you know, the, the book covers the gamut from, okay, let's talk big mythological things. And what if you want to have giant scions of the giant gods holding up the dome of the sky above the world and dragons are attacking them? Go, there's your campaign setup. From that big mythic level to here's some encounter tables of different ways you might encounter hill giants or their associated creatures out in the wild. Go. And, you know, in between there's location maps and tons and tons of adventure hook ideas and a great big chapter of new monsters to use. Stuff like that. There's a lot of monsters. There is a lot of monsters. (laughs) A lot of monsters. Most of them are big. (laughs) Big (laughs) monsters.
1: Well, all right, you you brought it up, so let's talk about the monsters <laughs> first. Is there? I mean, it really is like a mammoth bestiary, but at over seventy or so, over seventy, my, monsters. Over 70 yep. monsters in one book. It's. <laughs> uh, do you so what what would be what are do you have favorites? Can you even pinpoint a few that you're just really excited about? So,
2: I, I hesitate to even say this, but I love the giant goose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: the giant goose, ever since you started talking about this book many, many moons ago, it feels like the giant the giant goose stood out
2: <laughs> yes. I mean, it is it is definitely the product of both you know, rich folkloric imagination and a particular cultural moment from a couple of years back now. But the fact that we've got an illustration of a giant goose holding a sword in its beak, like this is clearly a a goose that is up to no good, ah. but but it also comes with a table for determining the contents of the golden egg it lays, and a ridiculous amount of behind the scenes math I did calculating how much gold is in the shell of a golden egg when you break it open and melt it down. I, I, I have a fondness for the giant goose, but the book is not about geese. It's about <laughs> Wait, giants. Well,
0: how much gold is there now? You <laughs> what know, was the I result know of that, that math? These,
2: these calculations. I forget. I think it's like a hundred gold pieces worth. Oh, <laughs> just based on weight.
0: <laughs> the golden goose lays the egg, yeah, and all you get is a measly okay, hundred the, gold the pieces.
2: Size of the shell and the proportion of width to height, so I can get a sense of the, the parabolic curve, the total of, volume, and that's a, right. you know, How thick is it? So subtract that inner diameter from the outer diameter to get the volume of the shell.
1: <laughs> I. I just want people to know that that's the kind of thought <laughs> that goes into
2: the these books out there. Yes.
1: Do
0: you have the you scratch paper for that? that? sitting
2: around making up ideas, but no, there's hard math. <laughs> study math, kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wanted the picture of that whiteboard uh, and all the calculations that you had on there with with you doing like a scratch of the beard in front is of it. This,
1: is this goose that you become so fond of the goose that's on the cover?
2: It is on the back cover of the book. Yes. Yeah. Because I love the goose. But enough about the goose. <laughs> <laughs> it's a book about a goose. Got it. Uh, because there's also tons of giants in here. So I, th- probably my favorite um, giants are the signs of the giant gods. So we have six different flavors of godlike giants. These are, you know, the the generation or some number of generations in between Annam and his children and the giants of today. We have these colossal giants who are are just part of the landscape. You know, that folklore trope of we built a village on the giant's back and then the giant got up and walked away and the village was destroyed. That's <laughs> what the, these scions are for. So they're these, you know, awesome epic mythic monsters that uh, that you know, they're super cool mechanically and from a wild look at that standpoint and the art is just tremendously evocative of these epic battle scenes. Um, but I really love them for sort of the world building potential there. You know, I talked about the idea you might have giants holding up the dome of the sky, these Mm science of the giant gods, or there might be a mountain at the center of the world where um seven or six of the these scions live and you might send your characters there for some reason. Um just the the storytelling potential of these nearly divine beings situated in the world representing the giants excites me.
0: That is really neat. Like what an epic encounter. Not even combat wise, but just to be in the presence of these uh, giant scions and uh, have them not be cars, is really cool. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) But now we know what the car was named after, obviously. It's true, these giants. right?
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Are they friends? Do they get along? Are they, do they have personalities in which they uh, interact with each other?
2: So the Scions are, are not unique individuals. There could be any number of them. To really, it's, it's up to the DM in their world building. And, you know, they might get along or they might have as much rivalry as the, the low, lesser orders of giants have with each other. Probably that.
0: Right. Yeah, that seems to make sense. And they're direct descendants of the children of, of Annam? Yeah. Um, how does that work with the whole multiverse cosmology uh, in 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 the way that we think about it? Is it you know these giants happened in you know one world and then we're spread to other worlds or or how how do you think about it as a DM?
2: I tend to focus on my world when I'm building a world, but there is an idea presented in Diancaster Saga that Anam was responsible for sort of um, collecting the bits of the first world and turning them in, into the worlds of the multiverse as we know them now. So his influence is certainly felt on every world. You know, maybe he's got a full set of Scions on every world, That that's where where the giants of each world came from. Maybe there are only six in the entire multiverse, and they're all on different worlds, and you've got to do a campaign where you go find all six. That could be fun. Now I kind of want to run that. Mm. That sounds really (laughs) fun.
1: Look at that. You're getting inspired right here on the spot.
2: Yep. I mean, that's what this book is for, and books like it, right? It's all about sparking your imagination to, to do cool stuff in your game. And, you know, as much kindling as I can provide for those fires throughout the, the whole book, that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Would you say that you are, like, known for providing a particular type of kindling? Like, is there something that's like, oh, that's got James Wyatt written all over it? Like, do you have? That's is I don't
2: know. Cherrywood? I don't know what I'm known for. I have no idea.
1: Well, I feel like you, I mean, you had the the practically complete Guide to Dragons is also something that you are, uh, that you also helmed. And then Fizz Band, so Obviously, you've done a lot. You have a very illustrious <laughs> career 23 here. 23
2: years. 23
1: years. So, but like a lot of these books that are like really like deep in like lore and history and mythology and poetry <laughs> have your hand on it. So I'm just wondering if there's like something about him that you gravitate towards or if you're just like, I just, I just can just tell great stories. And I know the type of kindling that dungeon masters need to also tell great stories?
2: Um, I think that's probably it. Um, I mean, I, I, I've written a number of dungeon masters guides now. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of my thinking about the game is rooted in in providing inspiration to dungeon masters. So books like this are really good expressions of that for me. And it, it's also true that I come at that task with from the perspective of a background in studying world religion and so i tend to think a lot about mythological aspects of things and it's funny i had a, a conversation a while ago talking about the multiverse as a phenomenon and how you know the, the word has come into the geek uh, vernacular thanks to things like loki right mm-hmm. um but that is a different multiverse than ours that that is a uh, a very a theory of multiverseness that is rooted in science and the idea that actions in in time create branching realities and that is not what the D d multiverse is and and where my imagination really starts to sing in thinking about places that exist in multiple worlds at once or or move from world to world uh, adventures exploring that kind of thing there's there's something more mythically grounded rather than scientifically grounded in the way i think about it like like all of these worlds are um distorted reflections of the first world that we talked about in fizzbands and sort of a, a platonic ideal the first world is the platonic ideal of world and all these other worlds are distorted expressions of that and so traveling from world to world or or finding the intersection points of worlds is an opportunity for us to explore what the platonic ideal underneath them all is something like that. I have not really, this is the most I've actually talked through this, <laughs> this notion that's been niggling in my mind for a couple of months now. But that's what it is. So, like, the answer, the question was, what, what, is, what are my fingerprints on books like? Like, I think that's it, is is that mythic sensibility, looking for mythical roots underneath things.
0: Well, and then those are all extensions of Earth, right? And we are human, and we're all making these stories up and so I, I always, you know, I'll do it one further and be like, the, even the first world is, it a, is a echo of our own myths myths out there and, and everything, right? Yep. I
2: love or that. Or are we an echo of it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is getting too deep for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's big monsters in these mythical... Yeah, we talked so about
1: big. the dinosaurs!
2: <laughs> <laughs> the dinosaurs! The dinosaurs! Ah! Bigger than any real-world dinosaur. We got the <laughs> biggest dinosaurs. Oh, my God.
0: There actually are really big dinosaurs in this No, planet. there are.
2: <laughs> we have four colossal dinosaurs in this bestiary. D&D has always had dinosaurs, and it's always had scientific dinosaurs. And so, again, here I am. Like, These are the mythic dinosaurs. These are the dinosaurs. They're the the proto-dinosaurs, the the dinosaurs of which all other dinosaurs are merely distorted images. So we've got colossal dinosaurs in here, or gargantuan dinosaurs. rather.
0: Where did they come from? In 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 the mythology, where did where did uh, die, these huge colossal ones? Are they the pets of the Scions? Mm.
2: So domesticated.
0: Part, <laughs> part of
2: part of the the mythology of D and D's giants is that um, they are. The representatives of a lost ancient world. In the Forgotten Realms, they had their ancient empires tens of thousands of years ago. Uh in Eberron as well, they had an, an empire in Zendric that fell in a war with dragons. And that's rooted in things like, or it's it's related to stories like Journey to the Center of the Earth or Gulliver's Travels, where you you go to a lost world that is where everything is oversized. And so um you might have. A, a giant populated sort of dinotopia where where giants and their ancient buddies are still walking around i mean from the earliest incarnations of giants in DD, they were often associated with prehistoric animals like uh spotted lions and cave bears were were listed among their pets so um in addition to some nods in that direction like we've got a titanothere in this this book we also sort of extend that back and say giant
0: Dinosaur friends, and so like a King Kong, Godzilla kind of like the, yes. this mythic world underneath ours. Um, but in in ours, it's just another world, <laughs> just another <laughs> shard of reality. I love that. Yep. I want now a dinosaur, a colossal dinosaur as a pet.
2: <gasps> I think yes, we all do.
0: We're gonna tame one. I think. I anyways. don't know where
2: I would keep it though.
0: <laughs> you with the you goose? Could probably.
2: Yeah,
1: you could put that goose on that beautiful lake that you live near. <laughs> Well, you mentioned play.
2: practically, gui- uh, 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 practically complete guide to dragons.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. I love the idea of taking uh, all the stuff that you had, uh, you know, thought about and uh, written for Fizban's uh, Treasury of Dragons, as well as uh, the other practically complete guides, and you know, uh, distilling them into one handy thing for folks to be able to flip through and learn about
2: dragons. Yeah. So uh, the practically complete guide to dragons is. Um, is more or less a reprint of the Practical Guide to Dragons we did in two thousand long time. Seven. something like that, good grief, I think... 20 years ago, uh, oh. along with material from the Practical Guide to Dragon Magic and the Practical Guide to Dragon Riding, and it's all sort of updated with our modern perspective on dragons and the multiverse. So the narrator of that book is Sindri Suncatcher, who is a tender wizard from Kryn, is a world that knows a lot about dragons. There are some things about dragons that, that are not true on Crin. And so, like, I don't think we've ever seen kobolds on Crin or Dragonborn. So I added some mentions of kobolds and dragonborn from Cindy's perspective being Sindri's perspective being like these are things that my teacher has told me about that are found on other worlds. There are other worlds. Whoa, my mind is exploding. I want to go there. because <laughs> because that's Sindri. So yeah, it is uh an updated perspective on. Classic material about dragons and a fun read for all ages. Yeah, uh, and illustrated, oh, beautifully, and beautifully illustrated. illustrated. Oh my gosh! And the graphic design is such a complete upgrade from the the last incarnations of these books. It's practically
0: yeah. complete.
1: There's always <laughs> there's and and always more. Stunning. James is always holding out a little bit on us. He's like, I'm, um, I got more, but you're gonna have to wait. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, what I love about this book is that while it's not like a rules book. It's just fascinating tidbits of information about the most iconic fantasy creatures of all dragons. So, a great intro to the world of Dungeons and Dragons for anyone, really. But I think mm-hmm. it's also a really cool tool for dungeon masters, especially maybe a newer dungeon master that doesn't have like these years and years of DD history and lore under their belt. You can find great inspiration right here, but it's like, I I was learning all sorts of facts about dragons that I did not myself know. I don't know all the facts. That's why I'm not writing. What did you learn? Oh, just like which ones like get along with other. Like, I think like, I'm like, Mm. that could be a cool story. Like maybe, you know, I'm thinking, you know, from a kid's perspective, but like these two dragons aren't getting along. And why is that? Or help, you know, bring them back together or just i love the information about where they build their lairs and just thinking about like if you have a party of adventurers and they're in like a mountainous area like they could totally run into like a a dragon that builds their lair on the side of a a mountainous cliff and they wouldn't be expecting that but i know that information now because i read (laughs) the practically complete guide to dragons but just thinking about like wow like Knowing where they would build a lair, you can now populate really any adventure with like a dragon encounter. The dragon doesn't even have to be there; it could just be like they stumble into a the lair of a dragon. Oh, and then like the what's hunting. in the lair? Because they all collect different things too. Yep. There's, that's yep. just off the top of my head.
2: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you know D and D's dragons are yeah. are maybe a little underappreciated like the fact that we have 10 different kinds of dragons in the the core monster manual not to mention the other kinds that we've added to the game various incarnations but like if you want big nasty fire breathing brute dragons like you see on game of thrones we got those you want wise ancient dragons dwelling in the depths of a pristine mountain lake you know what we got those too gold dragons and uh and everything in between and and so just the, the possibilities for all kinds of different stories to be told around these dragons is really uh, exciting and you know I'm glad this book is is inspiring that for you Shelley I was very inspired Uh, there
1: was um, dragons remember where all of like every bit of treasure they get comes from and I was thinking like there's got I don't know the story there yet but there's something there's something that like you could you could use that in a million different ways
0: oh like as a witness in a trial be like well I remember this piece <laughs> yeah, of treasure yeah like there is like something 47 there like seven years like, ago and I'm the only one who does and that that's useful in a uh, a kingdom who's trying what? to sue for for control that type of thing would you
1: believe would you just believe the dragon because we're like we're just going to just say like well james wyatt told us that dragons remember every bit (laughs) 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 i'm just accepting that as fact but yes like what if somebody in your long line of of ancestors stole something from a dragon and you always believed that it came from your great 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 aunt gladys And that dragon is like, actually, I've been looking for that for six hundred years. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) actually, did you not read the book about dragons? (laughs) I remember that superpower
0: sounds like my wife, where she can be like, "I bought this skirt, uh, you know, at at a Marshalls uh, in nineteen (laughs) ninety-seven for, you know, and it was on sale; it was only ten dollars." Remember,
1: (laughs) do you remember the important things, the time, the place? (laughs) Exactly, right? Yeah it is important but
0: well this practically uh, complete guide to dragons i love you mentioned kids uh, too shelley because it is like a like a like a field journal it's like learning a little bit about like you know oh these these creatures uh, and everybody every kid loves uh, flipping through like national geographic or things like that to learn about the animals in our world and it's it's kind of got that vibe to it right where you're 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 discovering things learning things getting inspired just as you would going like flipping through an encyclopedia or something like that
2: for sure actually um i had a weird train of thought that led me here but i was thinking about the we've got brand new full page pieces of art for each kind of dragon and in each of those illustrations we tried to show both sort of mundane creatures and magical creatures that share the same environment So like in the white dragon illustration, you'll see some ice methods who are like um, skiing on the dragon's breath, (laughs) Ah, uh, skating away from it. And like there's a yeti in the background and then a caribou skeleton in the foreground. So, you you know, you can really look closely at this art and get a sense for the environment and the other creatures in that environment. There's an owlbear in the green dragon illustration.
0: That's really cool. So that it's not just... Look at the star, the dragon. It's like no, putting them in the context of a, of a living, breathing world,
2: yeah, right, right.
0: Did you write those um those art descriptions to include all those things, or were those uh, inspirations from the artists?
2: I wrote the art descriptions and um gave some suggestions in both categories of mundane animals and magical creatures, and let the artist choose which direction they wanted to go in for for each of them. That's fun.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. like a like a good dungeon master. You're like, here's some suggestions, Aww. but you yes. you make it your own.
1: Yeah. So Sindri, our narrator, refers to himself as the greatest kinder wizard of like forever of all ever, time. Of all time. Uh, and there was a section in the book where they Sindri was talking about dragon dragon fear, which does sound in, indeed terrible. Um, but he he says that he doesn't know what that feels like because Kender never are afraid.
2: Kender are immune to fear. Is that true? Yeah.
1: That's a fact. That's it always fact. has been. Okay. Because <laughs> I was going to go back. I'm like, I'm going to go look that up because I feel like Sindri's just being like, <laughs> I don't know because I've never been afraid of anything. Like talking like a 10-year-old kid. But okay. In many ways,
2: Sindri does talk like a 10-year-old kid. But if not, you that... That is learned. actually
1: true? Yeah. But, so yeah. That, but that is like the type of information in this book that I can see... Anyone being inspired by like, oh, now I'm going to go look up information about kinder because that sounds really interesting. (laughs) And now I'm in a kinder rabbit hole learning all about why they don't feel fear. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That can also be dangerous. That's not. I'm just
0: gonna say that's that, that's where it's played <laughs> up in the in the Dragonlance Chronicles is being like that's not a good quality. You no. actually need some fear.
1: <laughs> you should have a healthy fear, especially of dragons.
0: <laughs> Creepy ones only, though. Yeah. the nice dragons you should embrace and hug.
1: Yeah, well, some of them do get along with humans. They're not all bad. So for sure. Yeah.
0: And this this guide will teach you which ones.
1: Now you will know
0: how you to find know. their layers. I think that's something that's not used as much in. Um, in campaigns you were saying how you know dragons are, are under uh, appreciated in some ways james like i feel like more folks need to use good aligned dragons in their campaigns because i love that back and forth right like oh we have these you know chromatic big bad guys and here are the the metallics who are you know generally you know good to to people I and mean, even can create yeah. communities around them
2: yeah and that, I mean, that's certainly something we try to do in his treasury of dragons as well to um, give you lots of adventure ideas surrounding the the metallic dragons and the gem dragons, which are historically neutral. And, you know, if I can bring the conversation back around to giants. <laughs> you can. <Yes>. You
1: can. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it is also something uh, we've highlighted in Glory of the Giants, is that many of the giants presented in the Monster Manual are described as evil, uh, but not all of them are. And not every fire giant is evil either. So, you know, there's a lot of inspiration for using giants as antagonists, but there's also a lot in here about using giants as adventure patrons or as allies there's a couple of organizations that are are generally non-hostile in their in their goals anyway so you might join up with this druidic world root circle of giants or be employed by the hidden rune to to seek out the relics of ancient giant civilizations. so there's a lot of potential for interacting with giants as people too
0: yeah yeah how great would it be to have a, a patron as a giant patron who's like, oh yeah, no, you need to, uh, yeah. you, you know, if you ever encounter a big bad dragon, I'm here if you need it. It's a good <laughs> and counter. And can be
2: anything from, you know, we're working for a crime boss in the city and you know, only after we've been working for them for a couple of years do we get brought to the warehouse and discover that the crime boss is actually a hill giant. Or, you know, the, cool. the other extreme, you know, from the outset that you're working for a, a giant king or something like that who who is sending you on missions to advance the giant kingdom's cause
0: i like the treasure hunter idea too right like going to find giant treasure um yeah they go in in the places that giants can't go because they're just too big exactly
2: <laughs> exactly we need somebody smaller please
0: <laughs> every little brother understands that <laughs> uh,
2: get yep. the frisbee
0: from underneath the from underneath the bush i can't reach it
1: So, oh, yep. would you say dragons were misunderstood and that this or, is sort of a retelling of their like no
2: dragons or giants
1: sorry giants not dragons both,
2: really both <laughs> yeah
1: i guess that works for both
2: um, you know i'm not i'm not sure it's fair to say they're misunderstood because certainly some people understand them but um <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> who am i to say what trends exist i don't know i don't have you know, customer survey data to indicate whether Giants I, I are misunderstood do. or not. What, what I will say is, uh, in both cases, like, I'm trying to um, expand the the breadth of possibilities for your yeah. campaign, right? And we have a whole section on giant adventures and that, and, and talking about sort of adventure models, because there's one model of giant adventure that D&D has used multiple times over many editions, which is against the Giants. Go fight Giants. Maybe you go fight Pill giants and then frost giants and then fire giants and then you discover there's drow and then things get really interesting (laughs) the giants were just a (laughs) warm-up um or you know maybe you're fighting waves of giant armies coming at you from time uh, over time but but that's just one potential model you know another one might be you're going into the lost world of the giants where everything is enormous and you're Uh, a curiosity like Gulliver in Rob Dignag or something like King Kong and Godzilla Right, you're caught up as dragons and giants are fighting and you're down on the ground trying to protect people from the aftermath (laughs) or a storm giant is holding a kraken at bay off the coast and you've got to evacuate the city before the kraken breaks through Um, so that's just like three examples of adventure models where I think we cover a couple more as well uh, uh just again expanding the possibilities um yeah. inspiring the dm to to think about things in in different ways and maybe try something new and different
0: i love that because you know those even just those off the cuff ideas uh because it feels like they can be uh not window dressing but like there's there's it's it becomes more epic the small things that a, a party might be doing becomes more epic when it's set beside you know in, in in this amazing conflict right like just that kraken idea of like oh yeah well that would be just a wonderful you know great way as a dungeon master to describe the things that you're you know that your party is doing which are you know have lots of attention to them but then there's this all other other battle that's happening out there um right and uh it adds so much more stakes to it um and makes it feel vibrant and cinematic in a way and using giants in in those ways is so much more uh satisfying than just as you said just like oh yeah just you know you're gonna go kill him. Yep. But that's valid too. You can just go kill him. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> that just can presenting be fun. Options. There's, there's there too. So I wanna I want to talk a little bit more about uh Big B uh since he is the presenter. He's serving this book to us uh through his journey uh in 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 learning about giants. Um he has a storied history himself in uh the Greyhawk part of the multiverse. Is that
2: right? He does. He, uh, he originated as a henchman of Morgan Canaan and under Gary Gygax's control. Uh, the two of them had sort of a, a rocky relationship at first. Bigby was not the best person uh, at the outset of that relationship, but he sort of came around and became became a player player character in his own right and a uh, uh a more heroic force in the world. So, uh, by the time we meet him, he is—he's more or less the equal of Morgan Cannon, accompanying him on adventures, uh, and setting off on his own, and meeting Diane Castra and all that. And he
0: did he have a fascination with giants before he got smushed by one, uh, and he <laughs> created his spell of uh, of a giant hand.
2: Um, that has never been talked about in lore before, to my knowledge. But I think it's entirely possible that he did. Uh, he was inspired to create the the hand spell, which used to be many different hand spells, uh, by watching what what giants could do with a great big hand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and are there there are there some of his spells in this book as well?
2: Uh, no, the the Bigby's hand spell remains his signature accomplishment. But there is an artifact in this book uh, that he made, Bigby's beneficent bracelet, mm-hmm. which, as you might expect, allows you to cast Bigby's hand uh, as well as. As other things in a similar vein. So that's an artifact you can give to your players or use against them. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw the your mind.
1: Dungeon, Matt, like,
2: your, your, your I know. Wheels were spinning <laughs> yeah. there.
1: We're watching inspiration happen right here live. <laughs> so he uh, just started uh,
2: imagining a villain with the hand of Vecna and Big B's been episode bracelet on the hand of Vecna.
0: <laughs> it's going to throw a Holding the wand
2: of orcas now. I'm just going to <laughs> <third>. <laughs>
0: Well, what was that quote from last week, Shelly? Like, These hands are knives. These
1: hands. <laughs> yeah. That's a quote from a from a real housewife. These hands. Uh, okay. These hands aren't knives, but they work real good.
0: <laughs> so if you got the hand of Vecna and the bracelet, you know That could be what she was
1: talking about. Bigby's hand and Vecna's hand. These hands. It's true, they're not <laughs> knives, but they work real good. Oh, my God, it all makes sense now. It, it all makes sense. sense.
2: <laughs> Secrets of the Multiverse Ruby
1: It's been connected <laughs> to the Real Housewives this whole time. This whole time. I knew it.
0: And now I want to connect it to Blues Brothers. Like, if big, if your Bigby's hand spell had words written on each uh, finger, like tattooed, uh, you know, like Jake in, in the Blues Brothers, what would your tattooed <laughs> hand be? <laughs> Uh, like love and hate?
1: <laughs>
0: Mushroom? I think that...
1: <laughs> 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 Thinking of other four letters. Mine would say, these hands. <laughs> <laughs> Spelled incorrectly.
2: Big B says B-I-G and then a little picture of a B. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, no, that's pretty badass. Uh, that would be cool.
1: Well, we're definitely talking about All the ways that Dungeon Masters are inspired by this book, but it's not just about them, okay? There's a lot of great player options in this book as well.
2: There are some great player options in this book. Can I tell you about my gnome? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Please. So I I made a gnome pirate for a one-shot a couple months or so ago. So he's a gnome pirate. He's a barbarian. And his story is what he does as a pirate. He's this little gnome. But when the ship comes under attack or they're going to attack another ship he goes to this big barrel that's by the main mast and it's got a sign on it that says do not touch and inside the barrel is a great axe like twice as big as this gnome right and he pulls out the axe and begins to rage and grows to four times his size becoming large in his rage and wielding this great axe and i just think what a great story I- I made it up, obviously. So, uh, <laughs> so of course, so I, I think it's great. But, um, but I just love that 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 visual of this little guy, you know. And the axe actually has nothing to do with with how the transformation happens. But by linking it, like it, it becomes this story. I'm babbling. So it's like, no, it's like a Hulk
0: It's like an actual <laughs> Hulk. Like he he rages and, and grows yeah. in size, bursting all right. his clothes. So the
2: path of the the point is the path of the giant barbarian in this book lets you become large when you rage. Um, oh, okay. Which is what my gnome is doing. I, I sh- Maybe should have led with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that doesn't matter what size you are. So even if you're small, you become right. large.
2: You become large. So it's really fun to put it on a small character who, you know, ordinarily wouldn't be super effective swinging a great axe. And another piece of character-focused content in this book. So Fizz Band's had like one little table in it that talked about um, how you might flavor your character's abilities in a dragon sort of way. Mm-hmm. We've blown that out to a page in this book that talks about various ways to, to add giant flavor to your character. So, you know, my gnome's great axe is a giant axe. It comes from giants, and that's what sort of fuels his transformation in the story. Or you might tie yourself to giant Like, there's there's a couple of backgrounds in the book as well that indicate maybe you studied giant rune magic, or you grew up in giant ruins, or were raised by giants. Or maybe uh, you just have a fondness for giant animals as a as a druid or a ranger. You like to wild shape into big things. <laughs> 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 um, or, you know, even even as a wizard who doesn't use the rune carver background, you might still use giant runes as your spellbook. Um, if you want to flavor your wizard spellbook that way. Lots of inspiration for for building a character who's flavored according to giants. Um, giving you sort of all the, the story material in this book to draw on as inspiration for your character as well
0: how does the rune carving work is it is it like a, a it's not really a spell it's more just like a, a binding it's a feat
2: thing? that gives you access to spells i'm trying to remember exactly how defeat feat works <laughs> and i don't <laughs>
0: but i remember those runes being important from uh from from storm king's thunder uh yes. and how those were uh, uh depicted and and could be you know part of the uh, player character's journey there was finding these runes and figuring out ways to use them.
2: Yes, and we've we've touched on them um, not just in Storm King's Thunder, but with the uh, the Rune Knight fighter subclass in Tasha's, I think, and we and a number of magic items in Storm King's Thunder use them. A whole bunch of magic items in this this book also use them, as well as that Rune Carver feat that uh, gives characters access to to some of their magic. So we talked a little bit about, you know, according to the Player's Handbook, the giant language uh, is written using Dwarvish script. So there's a sidebar, actually, in the introduction of the book talking about that, how Dwarvish script isn't what the giants themselves originally used. These runes are, are an expression of written language, but they, the giants um, treated them as, as special and magical and sacred because they are, and they contain this enormous magical power. So that's not really a lit, written language. It's uh, an almost hieroglyphic system in, in the literal sense that they are um, holy glyphs, but also you know they're, they're um, pictograms where a single character represents a whole word, not a runic language or uh, an alphabetic yeah, language. So dwarves came along later and used their script to transcribe the giant language. And so when your character reads something written in giant, it's transcribed using the dwarven script, but the giant runes are something separate. And I'm getting deep into nerdy nerdy weeds here but good uh, i love that me too well that's (laughs) that's the
0: part that's so exciting because then you're like okay these that's why these runes have power is that they have you know an entire concept or meaning or idea behind them rather than you know just the letter a it's it's exactly it's, it's an idea that is i mean and that's i don't know you could really go into the weeds too about how land language is mystical you know how does it work really i don't know you know, th- it's it's amazing that we have this ability as humans to uh, look at a word and immediately know what it means, even in the alphabetic language. So, I don't know. There's something really powerful about this idea for me.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we've we talked uh, at various times in d d about the words of creation and the idea that that language is fundamental to the magic of the multiverse in some way. Bards use that a lot now. I just wrote some text for the next UA about bards and the words of creation, so you'll see that soon.
0: <laughs> well, that's neat.
2: Um, yeah.
0: Power words, you know, it's a, it's a spell. It, exactly. Too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah,
2: so, so, whether it's, it, it's interesting. Like there, there is a, again, a mythic idea there that um, a pictorial represent, representation of a word uh, contains power, but the, the sounds of the word itself, you know, there is, there is a magic to the fact that I can say. Mountain, and evoke for you a picture of a mountain, and yeah. and the magic that happens of communication there.
0: Yeah, I just saw I just saw Mount Rainier, and I'm not even there. Yep, that's amazing. Yes, yeah, and that's for the giant. Say
2: live. a word
1: that makes your animal companion do something,
2: like exactly. So like we're commanding. Walk. <laughs> yes, walkie. <laughs> and,
1: oh, I Don't say that. it. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing he's deaf. Good thing he's deaf, too. Just peed everywhere. I have, like, a little crow sound that I like to make when I go out in the backyard that calls my crows. That calls my nice. crows to me.
0: Wait, you want crows near you?
1: I do. I love them.
0: Oh, I'm the opposite. I, I'm like, get out of your crow.
1: No, I mean, don't. Greg, they will remember your face. I want them to. And their babies will remember your face. <laughs> I
0: want them to, but they remember constantly come face. back and they yell at me.
2: No, I give them offerings. So, here's my story about crows. Oh, yeah. yeah. giant crows! I not in fact, living in a Disney movie. So <laughs> years ago now, I, uh, I was in the house and uh, I heard all this noise, and I thought my daughter was watching some kind of nature documentary. She's like, "No!" So I go outside and realize um, there's all these robins who are making noise and crows who are cawing because a baby robin has fallen out of its nest into oh. our driveway and is being oh. harassed by crows. Yeah. So I went outside and I chased the crows away by being there, and the robin hopped into the bushes and got cover. So if life were a Disney movie, my cars would be spotless, and these birds would be, you know, hanging my laundry for me and stuff in gratitude. Instead, the crows hate me, and my cars are not spotless. (laughs) They poop on your car, don't they?
0: (laughs) They know. Now you just need to find the right, um, you know, uh, runes to, to speak to crows.
1: Yes. Yes. But be careful. Peanut.
0: <laughs> That's the rune.
1: They like peanuts. <laughs> the they peanut do. rune.
0: <laughs> well, I have uh, been delighted by this conversation James like I am every time we speak. Um so fun. I want to know more about Thank giants you. and dragons um in these two books that we were talking about. Um yeah, they're coming out soon.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. The summer. I think on the same day even. Yes. They're like sibling products. A big day in the for James Wyatt
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> James Wyatt day uh what is it? August 20th is that when they're or
1: on? August 15th
0: August 15th thank you I was just throwing out numbers and letters yeah and hoping August 15th let's figure it out yes, yes August 15th for both big B presents glory of the Giants will you get all that uh information and lore and spells and backgrounds and 70 bestiary monsters to do big, things
2: with Big, monsters
0: and then pick up the practically, uh, you know, complete guide to dragons, and uh, you know, teach your young how to Gifted. fend off uh, crows from killing around. How
1: to make friends with crows? How to make friends with dragons?
0: Who are who are essentially
1: big very big crows?
2: Sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome, James. Well, how can people, uh, you know, see what you're doing? Are you on the Are you on the social medias these days?
2: Yeah, I'm still hanging out on Twitter until it implodes. So I'm <laughs> Aquila James that. on Twitter. Yeah, that's basically it. Sweet. All right.
1: Well, send all your praise there, everyone, when you get your hands on Big Bees and the Practically Complete Guide to Dragons,
0: and uh, and some car washes to get all the <laughs> bird poop off of there.
1: Donate a car wash to James. Awesome. Thanks so much, James. Oh, thank Thanks.
0: you, James. Thank you, guys. James Wyatt oh, certainly James. fit the bill of James. our intro.
1: What inspirations. He's so fun to talk to. Could have kept going.
0: I know, right? For yeah. for hours and hours. That's what I, That's what I did back in Durham, North Carolina, back in the day, and I would do it again.
1: Do you think he... We should have asked him about that. Do you think that he yeah. was excited to be cornered for three hours at a party by you? Or was <laughs> ah. he like... Oh, I'm so thirsty. I really don't need to hit the bar. I didn't oh,
0: technically back. corner him. It was just like I do that sometimes, where I find yeah, much like this podcast interesting people to talk to, and I hyper focus on <laughs> oh. those people for you know a bunch of time
2: because you've never
1: you've never hyper focused on me, Greg. I'm doing it right now. Sean. Does that mean do- that you don't find me interesting? <laughs> I do.
0: I do find you <laughs> interesting.
1: In like a yeah. in like a hmm. hmm like, what let's drugs find did out. her did her mom do? Why do you like
0: these real things, these real delights, these violent delights?
1: I'm sick of answering that question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we don't have three hour long conversations.
1: Uh, we're done. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, flip a table it, and we're done. <laughs>
2: knives.
0: These are knives. Yes, I am. Of course, in DD, you would actually just have a character with knives for hands at this
1: point. Um, Of course. Obviously, I've made a pact with a traveling knife salesman.
0: I think I'm going to play a plasmoid, by the way. I'm thinking about... uh, Are you playing Spelljammer? I am, yeah. I'm going to do a plasmoid monk because uh, they don't need weapons and they can just punch and um, use their ability to go through small crevices without having to wear any armor or weapons and uh, be a monk rogue. That's what I'm currently thinking about.
1: I can't help but imagine, like, a monk trying to, like, kick and, like, that gloopy little leg, <laughs> like, trying to do a roundhouse kick as a playboy.
0: <laughs> but he can make, I'm assuming he can make parts of himself uh, uh, harder than other parts, right? So then when you connect it, it won't be a gloop, it'll be a damage-inducing, but maybe it will be gloopy. Maybe I don't know. I mean, like,
1: yeah, the gloop can know. actually help. Yeah yeah oh it's really it's fun. fun to be a plasmoid
0: Jalonius yeah. monk
1: stop it
0: right that's good that was kind of like where it all came from
1: I do feel like that plasmoids can give tabaxia a run for their money when it comes to good names
0: <laughs> it's true the the pun possibilities
1: goes up it really does
0: yeah and you love yeah. a good pun I love especially puns. for
1: a character name Especially for talking about giants, giants, giants. Don't worry, everyone. I will, we'll stop soon enough.
0: We're going to keep doing it nonstop.
2: Giants! (laughs) Live at the Harvester Center. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest bestiary ever!
0: At the Carrier Dome.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's where I saw you too.
0: Yeah. Not you as well. No, no, but Bono. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Bon Jovi and Skid Row. So,
0: yeah, it's it's a big arena there in Syracuse, New York. Yeah, I saw you two at a place in Philadelphia, and I convinced my friends to drive to Ithaca. This is when I no. was in Ithaca. They drove to Ithaca from Connecticut and then drove to Philadelphia. Somehow they're like, sure, yeah, let's to do that, pick Greg. you up. We'll pick because you up in Ithaca.
1: At that age, like it, you don't look at maps. You're not looking to see if things are like on the way. No. They <laughs> or are three still hours out of the that. way
0: for me to this day being like why did we do that Greg that was the stupidest plan ever and I'm like was, well, you did it
1: You, yeah you, all you did was suggest it they're the ones who did it exactly exactly persuasion um, but a friend baby.
0: of mine was just at the venue in Philadelphia where we saw that thing and he's like well, guess where I am now and I was like Aww. it doesn't look like it looked like the U2 concert because they, they transformed it into something different but
1: like Disney it, on um, ice or something
0: <laughs> no well yeah yes it was <laughs> it was an different. ice rink <laughs> that
1: looks different
0: Bono on ice.
1: <laughs> uh. I could see it. You two on ice.
0: <laughs> it's, they're not far off. They're in Vegas, right? So they're basically doing. Are they? The weird show they're like show. a residency. I, I they're, they're doing a residency in Vegas, or maybe they did um, already. I don't know. Seems silly. Oh. Anyway.
1: Wow. Anyway. We
0: go to some wide-ranging places in this outro, and I want to bring it back to D and D. So you should. Follow along what's going on with D&D Beyond. Make your character. Maybe you can see my Jelonius Monk character on there. I'll make it public so you can see it. Um, and you can follow me at Greg Tito on most social medias. Sometimes there's a dot in the middle there.
1: Nice. You can follow me at Shelly Moo on Twitter or Instagram. Or visit my website, ShellyMazanoble.com. What about your website, Greg?
0: They can also go there. It's GregTito.com. Sign up for my newsletter. It's not... As robust probably as Shelly's newsletter on the sub stacks, but sca- going
1: out tomorrow. It's there.
0: it's there. I now I'm like, oh crap, I, we, I have my internal deadline to try to do an update every month. And I'm like, shit, it's almost the end of the month. Gotta do
1: it. Well, crap. I was trying to do every week. It remains to be seen. I do have a draft though. It's just sitting there waiting for me to hit send. I oh, well, that's good. Was waiting for the link to actually to this week's Dragon Talk so I can promote that in the newsletter. Oh, there you go.
0: That's what I've been doing too. Just doing like little, hey, I talked to these people this month. How about how long are you doing monthly? Now you gotta you gotta stress me out making it weekly? God.
1: I'm stressing myself out. I don't know if I can commit to it. That's a lot of work. But it seems like as writers, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we be able to like write one thing? Like, shouldn't you? <laughs> That's you what I'm telling you. Talking about myself? your
0: notebooks that are empty. <laughs>
1: It's because I put the words on in the computer.
0: Oh, oh. Well, see, I print it out and just paste, paste it into my notebooks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Scan it in. Scan it. I want to. I'd like to be a person that travels around with a notebook, and it's like Sindri Suncatcher, and just be like, oh, an observation. Here we go.
0: I'm going to come up with a cute way to say this. Yeah, no, I've never been that person.
1: Which I kind of do. The notes thing in my phone, I'm always writing like, mm. oh, that's really funny, or I want to Right about that. Or this would be a cool title for a book. I don't
0: know. Or this would be a cool name for a, for a tabaxi. Monk. Yeah.
1: <laughs> also that, that's of tabaxis, Like witch hazel.
0: Segway lady. Let's get into what's going on with drunky two shoes. Hey, it is a daily. You can tell
1: I'm delaying because drunky's in trouble right now. <laughs>
0: yeah there is water. She is a waterlogged tabaxi, not happy about it, extremely un cat like in your posture just, you know, water is just like streaming off of you there's uh, all of your friends also are drenched as is everyone and there is writhing bodies of eels snakes you're not really sure but they're vicious they've got long sharp teeth um some of them have bitten into you and injected poison Ugh. and you're not feeling very good so not only are you waterlogged as a cat you're hungry you're drunk. You're angry at your brother for performing uh, so very mad. beautifully in front of you, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> but now That's you're all wet and in I the middle the of, a, of a drop-down fight with some poisonous swarmed snakes. So what are you going to do?
1: I am going to shake off my fur. Um, are they still attached to me?
0: Yes. So there's, there's, there's many all around you, uh, writhing all of your... Um, uh, teammates are also experiencing this and getting bit
1: uh oh didn't i hit some of them with my burning hands
0: you did in fact yeah so you go a, a big plume of steam had gone up and you had done some damage to these snakes um and some of them are you know you see they're burned uh, as well as some of the fur of your tabaxi friends are singed, uh, and they're not feeling too happy about that. One of them, in fact, uh, Jonathan says, Drunkie, what are you doing?
1: I didn't know you were there.
0: (sighs) It hurts. It burns in addition to the poison. Just kill the snakes. And he takes one, and he tries to smash it uh, with his fist. Uh, And he rolled a 16 on the die, uh, and he's able to get one. He's like, just kill it like this. And he smashes it, uh, grabs a hold of its tail, and kind of smashes it on the ground, um, maybe against Samson's back, uh, and kind of brains it until it, and then it falls limp. uh, And he he moves to try to grab another one that's on his friend, Altia.
1: How many are there?
0: Um, Snakes? Yeah. There are like too swarm. many. To count. It's all okay. around you. Yeah, many of them. Uh, you've destroyed some of them, so there's some of them are laying in there, are being washed away as the the water that's about like knee high at this point is kind of you know pulling you right. away. So, but there's more around you.
1: Can I hurl, take, rip two off of blade of grass? Because She probably has some on her.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Can then can I rip them off of her body, chuck them down, and then hit them with an acid splash, or is that too many things?
0: No, you can do that. Yeah, go ahead. So um, make a. uh, You're just going to make an attack with the acid splash to make sure that you're not going to hit. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I want to pull them
1: off of of her. Yeah, Uh, and I can hit two as long as they're like five feet away from each other, which I'm assuming they are. Yep. Okay. Does this just hit?
0: Do I I have to roll? I think you have um, to do a
1: save. Yes. Okay. All right. What's uh, what's the DC that I'm trying to hit? 13.
0: All right. I passed.
1: What do you mean you passed?
0: You rolled higher than I succeeded on my dexterity saving throw. And that means nothing happens.
1: Okay, but did I at least uh, rip them off her body?
0: Yes, both of them. Both of them saved. Um, so yeah, I'll say that you were able to kind of like grab them uh, and rip them and try to uh, acid splash. Um, but as soon as you grab those two, two more uh, take its place. Like there's just a massive snakes around here.
1: Stop, drop, uh, and roll.
0: So it is blades. She tries to swing her blade. Um, and does so, slashing into many of these snakes. And she actually takes the ones oh. that you threw, um, and and is able to uh, swing her sword down and cut them in twain. Um, and she says, "I'll take care of these. You get the ones on uh, those people." And she points to some of the uh, Sagarpurians uh, who are there. And um, one of them is a uh, you know a, a teenage uh, boy who is. Uh, Hmm. At first, he thought he was, you know, you kind of watch him for a moment. You thought he was uh, fending off these uh, snakes, but they start to overwhelm him.
1: No, 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 no. Okay. I'm going to throw, jump on him and okay. throw him down and cover the him boy. with my, yes.
0: Okay. So you. Um, I pounce. Make, like make a an athletics check as you try to uh, protect him from these
1: So weird snakes. that I don't have any bonuses in athletics. No, and it's I, not weird. I, I rolled a two.
0: You rolled a two. Okay, so you ju- you try to jump on top of him with like with grace, um, and uh, to save him from these, but you actually just barrel into him, um, and he takes uh, he takes two points of damage. At but he is out sorry. of the the snakes that were on him pff, are shaken off, oh. but he's down under in the water, skinned his knees, uh, not oh, feeling great. But you're on top of him there, um, and he starts to yell. Bla, 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 bla. He's he's he can't uh, get any words out because he's underwater.
1: Uh, can I pull him back up? Yes. Get up, get up, and run, run, go, uh, 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 go. Uh, 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 okay.
0: Um. And he. Let me just see what he does. Uh. Yeah. He listens to you. Uh, uh, okay.
1: Uh. Th- th- thanks. I think. Bye. No problem.
0: All right. Um. As you're in the middle of this, you just save that, and uh, uh. You know, you're seeing him kind of get away. You turn back to the rest of your teammates who are. Um, destroying the last of these poisonous snakes. Oh. Um, a a kind of figure is is striding up uh, as the water is moving away, and uh, he's actually pretty dry uh, and looks great. Uh, hair swept back. Um, and Daryl says, "Is oh,
1: that Jesus is that you?" I stand up, covered in snake bites, sopping wet fur, probably some bruises and scratches, and I just charge him with my hand out towards his little skinny scrawny bitchy neck <laughs> <laughs> why you little yes
0: and we will pick it up next time with your claws <laughs> perhaps around Daryl's neck
1: I'm so angry I can tell <laughs> <sighs> this is Ooh. the concept of bleed now I'm gonna go like yell at Bart about something as you should and he's gonna be like what did I do <laughs> it's not what you did it's what Daryl did yeah. <laughs> How dare you perform beautifully in front of me?
0: (laughs) (laughs) How dare you live your truth?
1: (laughs) You ran away from me. What a jerk! This hair blowing.
0: Resolve all of that next time.
1: So angry.